welcome everybody out to the podcast today. On today's podcast, we have a special guest, my beautiful wife, Jennifer. You want to say hi to everybody, Jennifer? Hello. One of the one of the opportunities that we'll have here in, in doing this podcast is to be able to let people come on and share their stories. Now, some of the stories that you hear are going to be stories of people who've gone through recovery, uh, different things that God has done in people's lives. But sometimes there are stories that are a little more difficult, stories that have a little more, uh, uh, how shall I say, um, it's a little harder to hear and to take. But there are a lot of people out there who have stories that are like the story that my wife has. And I think it's very important for people to be able to hear those stories because as difficult as it may be for us to tell our story, it's necessary for other people to be able to see that God can work in their situation as well. Now, Jennifer, you want to say hello to everybody and just, just tell them who you are. Hello, everyone. I am Jennifer. I am Jeremy's wife, um, pastor's wife here at Monterey Baptist, and we have four daughters, Shelby, Taylor, Mallory, and Emerson, <laughs> and a grandbaby on the way. <laughs> and we've got three dogs in the house and three cats outside, so we have a very, <laughs> very full, full life. Um, well... Uh, Jennifer, let's just jump right in uh, to to your to your story. Well, I'm going to let you take the lead here and and uh, and and tell us tell us what you um, tell us what you've been through. Well, um, 2017, I went through a really traumatic experience. I had one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had in my entire life. Um, I couldn't figure out why. I didn't know what was happening. All I know, I just felt trapped inside of my own head, like I couldn't escape, I couldn't breathe, I just didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Mallory had just had her jaw surgery, uh, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and she was kind of awake, she was in pain, um, and I asked her if she would walk around with me outside, because I didn't want to walk around Monterey by myself, um, but yeah, she walked around outside with me, and um I just went through it. Um, I didn't really know. And I went to work that morning, um, talked to my boss. I, as soon as I got there, and she looked up at me, and she's like, what happened to you? You know, like she could tell. And I told her that I had the worst panic attack I'd ever had in my life. And she's like, I can tell. And um, went to the doctor, got diagnosed that day with PTSD after... I explained to the doctor what I think triggered everything. Gotcha. Now, for those who are who are listening, there are a lot of people that deal with anxiety, panic attacks. Um, sometimes that that leads to depression. It can lead to uh, all sorts of of debilitating um, emotional and psychological issues. Now. There's always a reason for why some you know certain things happen uh, mm-hmm. in in our lives, and in your case, you said that the doctor uh, diagnosed you with PTSD. Now, the PTSD uh, was from a past experience. Yes. And are you comfortable talking about that in some degree today? I am, and forgive me if I cry. Yeah, that's all right. Um, when I was four years old, 
my mother's boyfriend at the time, who is my brother's biological father, sexually molested me for the first time. Um, I remember that morning like it was yesterday. I remember that when my mom left to go to work, um, he was, I guess, babysitting me. Um, she had no reason not to trust him, not to think that he would do anything to hurt me. Um, but I remember that it was kind of light outside. Um, I remember we lived in a duplex right next to my grandmother on Home Street. Um, I remember that the kitchen light was on. Um, my mother's bedroom light was on and the bathroom light was on. My brother's baby bed was in the living room, and um, I remember the smells, the sounds. I heard the crickets when my mom opened the door. I heard cars going by. Um, again, the smells. I remember the smells of that day so vividly. I remember there was a pallet on the floor, and I remember the color of the sheet. Um, I remember the color of my mom's furniture. I remember the outfit, what my mother was wearing when she walked out the door. <clears throat> now, that would be the, the first time the that first anything time. like that had, had ever happened. The first time that it happened, yes. Now, this is, I mean, it's a ridiculous question to ask, I know. But what, how did that, I mean, I, I don't even know how to ask, you know. It's like <laughs> I feel so... Still so 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 strange, but how does that? What does that do to a four-year-old? Well, <laughs> I didn't really understand That's what, what I mean. was going on. That's what I mean. I, yes. I just knew that. Okay, please don't listen to this with your children in the room. I'm not going to be graphic, but they may not understand some of the things I say. Right. But um, I just remembered that it hurt that what he did to me was hurting, and um, he told me it was okay, but I couldn't say anything to my mom mm. or my grandmother, who was just next door, and I know 100% sure that my Aunt Sissy still lived with my grandmother. Um, I'm pretty sure my Uncle Stevie did. But I'm not sure about anyone else. I know my Aunt Donna didn't because her and Charles were married by this time. Pretty sure. Um, but, I, you know, I I just knew. I didn't know that what he was doing to me was wrong at the time. I right, just knew right. that it hurt, that it was uncomfortable, that it did not feel good. And that I was crying. And, you know, he would tell me to shut up before I wake up my brother. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. But, again, I, I didn't know it was wrong at the time. I had no idea. Now, to folks who are listening, um, were there any, would there be any signs that you would, would uh, like, point out to people? Like, if you're, you know, if your child is uh, acting a certain way or if you start noticing certain things, are there any specific things that you would, see, would, would, would tell people about warning signs of abuse? Oh, if they become withdrawn, um, acting out, um, if they say things hurt, 
you know, I, I don't want to say don't believe them. I want to definitely say please believe them. Um, but again, I didn't, at that time, I had no idea, none, that what he doing was to me was wrong. I just knew that I was very much uncomfortable and I didn't want it to happen again. Right. So you, you what you're, what, what, what I'm getting here is that what you're saying is that at that age, I mean, there weren't probably a lot of things that you, signs that you would give because you didn't know. Right. That this I, was. Right. Right. I had no idea. Like I had no idea. Um, I mean, even, you know, when I didn't tell my mom about any of this until I was 22 years old. Um, and she said, as I got older, there were things that she saw, but she wasn't sure because I think she was scared to ask me. She was, you know, scared that it may have been true that someone had actually hurt me and she wasn't there to protect me. Right, right, right. Not that she didn't, she wasn't disregarding that it could have happened so much as it was, I don't know and I hate to even go down that road. And when I told her when I was 22, she, I mean, immediately started crying because she said, as I'd gotten older, um, there was a certain relative she wouldn't let me go see because said relative to my mother, to myself, to my aunts and uncles, did the same thing to her. And it was known about. And she had no help. So it's like she just... At the time, you know, she thought she'd saw signs, but she wasn't sure. And then when I told her, she's like, oh, my gosh, I totally saw it, you know. And so, I mean, your mother was, you know, uh, had been abused, too. Yes, my mother had been sexually abused by a very close relative of hers. She herself was wounded, broken from from the experience that that she had gone through. Now, do you want to tell the folks how long this went on? Um, let's see. It went on from the time I was four until the time I was 12 years old. Um, when my mother married my most wonderful dad in the whole world, John Clayton Hanna, who, as you all know, most of you know, passed away this past January. Um, I didn't tell him at the time, but he saved me. He saved me from that situation. Um, he, he was my dad for all intents and purposes. Right. He was my dad. He was the grandfather to my gorgeous girls. And I, I, I'll never forget him for that because he saved me from that situation without even knowing. Um, I told him when I went through what I was going through back in 2017... He just straight up asked me one day, he's like, what's wrong with you? What's going on with you? And I told him that that person had hurt me and he did really bad things to me. And I told him that I thanked him for taking me out of that situation. But I never really expressed a lot of my gratitude to my dad because I was still going through Mm -hmm. it. Sure. And then COVID hit, so I didn't get to see my dad a lot. And then when he passed, it was like, ah. I didn't get to tell him, so... Well, I think you knew. <sighs> I think you knew. Now, when you say that, that he quite literally 
rescued, saved you from that. Um, explain, explain what you, what you mean by that. Um, I, I mean, what I, I know, I know what you mean, but to the folks who are listening, explain the, like the economic situation that you all were in. <clears throat> My mom is a single mom. She worked several jobs. I know at one point she was working three different jobs. She was working at uh, Marshall's um, restaurant, which was downtown Frankfurt. And I remember being there from the time I could walk. I was stealing pickles out of the pickle bucket. Um, at one point, my mom actually had my playpen in the kitchen by the back stairs. And I'll never forget this. And that's where I come to like pickles because I started picking the pickles out of the pickle bucket from my playpen. Um, and she also worked um, at a shoe store. I think it was called Adam's Shoe Store, but I don't really remember. Again, it was downtown Frankfurt. Um, and then she started working at Sandy's Steakhouse, which is where she met my father. Um, and they got married when I was 12. So at that point, he had plucked me, you know, my brother as well, and my mother, out of a situation. I mean, we weren't poor, poor, but we didn't have a lot. Right. Um, I do remember my mom bought my clothes mostly from Penny's and Kmart because she had credit cards for those two places. <laughs> um, but I also remember... As much as we didn't have, my mother was always helping other people. Um, and some of you all know that my mother and I did not have the greatest relationship. But I do remember her helping others a lot. Like she'd go to the grocery store and get groceries or detergent or um, wash their clothes. Um, I do remember her helping out other people a lot, even though we didn't have a lot. Well, so. that's something that, that I want to key in on is a lot of times the people who have been hurt and who are, have been broken are the most generous and caring people. Now, they have behavioral issues, and they act, as you said earlier, they act out. There are things that they do that other people don't understand, you know. But sometimes when you look at those who have been hurt, those who have been broken, they seem to be more kind and generous, Um you know, not always, but right. you know what I mean? Yes. Some people have never been through anything like that. They don't understand what it means to be in a place where you don't know what to do. Now, back to this uh, situation of Johnny taking you out of the of, of where you were. You all went from um, living, now for those, in, for those of you familiar with Frankfurt, um, you know, living down on Home Street, it was convenient to be able to get to downtown. Mm. You could you could quite literally Yeah, my walk. mother walked to work to yeah. Marshall's right. um, when we still lived right. on Home Street. Um, we eventually moved um, to a trailer. And the trailer park itself wasn't a bad place. I didn't mind living in a trailer, but right. the trailer that we lived in was kind of run down. Um, but it was the best she could afford, right. you know. But it got you off of... Yeah, it, it got us out of Home Street. And at yeah. the time, you know, Home Street wasn't crazy and i'm not saying it's crazy now it's just a little different yeah, yeah um, um but it you know we lived in a trailer and um and then <laughs> my dad i mean he just basically spoiled me and my brother um right, you guys go and, from 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 a duplex to a trailer to johnny build a new home right yes he when and he and my mother got married um he very much spoiled us all of us including my mother he um <laughs> built a home a brick house. It was really cool because I'd never had my own bedroom. My brother and I had always shared rooms. And then not just one vehicle, but two. Yeah, we had two vehicles. My dad had a boat, which 
I don't ever remember taking out on the river, <laughs> but he had a boat and um, a truck. And, um, I mean, we lived comfortably. I mean, I'd, I mean, I didn't even realize that my dad made the amount of money he did until, you know, I was older. And, you know, <laughs> we'd go to the McAlpins and he'd hand me a couple hundred dollars to go get my guest jeans that I loved <laughs> so much. Um, well, what was that like? What was that like when you being you know young and and you were 12 when everything changed what did it did it when did it hit you that something had happened to you the abuse mm-hmm. um well like i said it happened from the time i was four till i was 12 so that's eight years right um there were so many times like i can remember so many times of the abuse and then there are years that I can't remember anything. And through therapy, it has helped me, you know, remember a lot of things that I didn't want to remember, but I did. And um, I guess I don't even remember when I realized it was wrong, what he was doing. I think the fact that he kept telling me not to tell anybody. Right. Um, at one point, he told me that if he told, if I told my mom that he would kill her, kill my grandmother, and take my little brother away from me. Now, do you um, remember when that, wh- about what age that was when you were told that? Golly, I think I was actually in the first grade when he told me that. Right, because you're now you're in school, and you're older, yes. and you could speak up. Right, and um, I was still scared of him, though, because he, you know, he was a bigger, bigger guy. You know, he was just a big man to me when I, you know, little. Right. And, you know, you're supposed to respect your authority figures. You know, that's what you're well, told. Right, right. That's, that's what I'm, right. He manipulated and Yes, that. he very much did. Yeah. Um, he, he, he told me that, that it, he started telling me it was my fault, mm. that the things that were happening was my fault because I tempted him by the clothes that I wore, the little dresses that my mother put me in. Um, there was one particular dress that every time she put it on me, I cried and I'd tell her I didn't want to wear it. And she didn't understand why, but mm. I knew why. And I remember I had three dresses of all the same pattern and three different colors. <laughs> Green, which is my favorite color. Pink, my second favorite color. And then a baby blue. And they were all this like gingham check, crisscross back. It showed a lot of my back. Um, and I just, I loved them, but I hated them at the same time. <clears throat> when, now, when you get into school, was there ever a time when you you know, thought, man, I should, I should say something or, or what, what I, I understand the fear and the manipulation, but did it ever, did it ever cross your mind, you know, like to, to run or to, to holler for help? It did. And I was also scared too. I was also afraid that I wouldn't be believed. Right. See, this, this is why I'm not, all right. For those of you that are listening to this and thinking, why would he ask such a stupid question? I'm not, I'm, I didn't, I wasn't asking the question to say, why didn't you say something? What I want to do with this podcast, I want people who are listening to this to be able to understand that it's not as easy as just saying help. Because, it isn't. It really is not. Right. Uh, the, the, the fear of not being believed. Now, we won't go into any particular, you know, incidents or anything like that. But in your mind, this authority figure who is with your mother who is telling you that it's your fault and that 
if you say anything, he's going to kill those that you love. Mm -hmm. I want people to understand why it's not so easy for a child to go and say, someone's doing this to me, you know, help. It's, it's, it's debilitating. You, you made the, the, the reference earlier to, to PTSD. When something like this happens, especially prolonged, we're not talking about, you know, a couple of times or once or twice. We're talking about eight years. Eight years of this happening. This has become something in, in, in your world. It's, it's something that is, it's not normal. It's not okay. But to you, this is your life. Right. This yes. is this is what happens. How does that affect your view of yourself? Feeling like other people wouldn't believe you if you told them. But I think there's a big uh, just as big of an issue. What are people going to think if you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest here. What did you think when I told you just before we got married? No, oh, I, I can't say on the air what I thought. You weren't sure that you could even deal with that. No, no, no. I, I may have. I may have. I may. <laughs> and have, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, I didn't tell anybody no, about no, this. No, you're you're right in what you said. Yes, you're right. You know, when we when we get together, I'm, I'm how old was I at that time? Uh, I don't know. This was before we just got married. I just told you just before we got married. Yeah, sixteen. So I mean, it was weird. It was it was just a weird situation. But I wanted you to know. You right. That's that's where I, that's what I'm I'm going with here is yes, that's heavy for for mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast. You probably already know this, but I was uh, Jennifer and I had a had Shelby. I was fifteen. Uh, and Jennifer was, you were 18 at the time, 17, 17, 17 at the time you, you, you'd turn 18 after I'd had, Shelby. after yeah. she had, after you had Shelby. So we were very young when we had Shelby, we got married. I was 17. Uh, when we got married, I got married the spring break of our, my junior year in high school. So when you would tell me this, I would, be, would have probably been around 16 or so. And yeah, that was that was that was it was heavy, and what was so difficult for me was it wasn't you and what had happened to you. Um, I mean, although that's that's a whole other you know discussion because that is difficult. I understand that there will be people who would be like, "Oh, I just couldn't handle that. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. deal with that." And that's and that's fine. I get that. I understand that. I understand that people can handle it. Whatever. I, we that's a, a different podcast. Um, I'll, I'll suffice it to say that you should be able to handle that, and you should be able to go through that if you love someone. Mm-hmm. And you but, did. You and did. I, well, I did. But the, 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 the big, the key here is that when you told me, my, my instinct, <laughs> my natural inclination is there's going to, there's a, there's going to be a murder. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm somebody's, somebody's going to feel it. They're going to feel the, the, the pain. But, I remember one time um, we were we were actually in a store and you you got really weird acting and I asked you what was wrong and you said that's him and I said I'll be right back and you said no no <laughs> no you can't do anything what what good is that going to do yeah. what good is it going to do for you to be in jail you know I, I, and, and we'll talk about this later but but you you know you made it very clear to me you had made uh, is it okay to say you'd made like peace with that like like this is I've given this to the Lord. The Lord will take care of him. Yeah. In all right? honesty, I, that... I forgave him. I, f- I have forgiven him. 
Um, and I prayed for his salvation. I, I pray. He is a mean, mean man. Um, I know that he has hurt a lot of people. I had guilt over that, like, because I didn't tell. Did he hurt another girl? Did mm-hmm. he do this to someone else? Um, I do know of a lady that he lived with for years after he and my mom finally, after he finally got it through his head that my mom didn't want anything to do with him anymore. He went on to be with another lady and, uh, he was very mean to her. So mm. he's just a mean person. And I, and I do pray for his salvation. I pray that the Lord saves his soul because he himself was abused and I don't know the extent of his abuse. I don't, but that doesn't mean that what he did to me did not affect me tremendously. My whole life, I was weird. I was a weird kid. I mean, seriously, I was a weird kid. I was very, I could be by myself and be just fine with that. Um, I had best friends. I mean, I had some of the best friends in the world. I never told them. You are the first person I told, actually. I told you before I told my mother. Yeah. Um, I think I may have told my cousin Christy when I was pregnant with Shelby, but I can't remember. I mean, I just told her he did some things to me. I don't think I told her the extent of it. When in 2017, when you have this breakdown, was there any particular reason? Um, I was at the Kroger and we had... Moved my dad to Frankfurt. Um, Mallory had just had her jaw surgery. We hadn't just moved Taylor to Lexington. Um, my babies were right. leaving home. And, you know, my dad, I wouldn't be able to see him as much. And I saw a man in a freezer section. And I'll, and I'll never forget this. I thought it was him. And it shook me to my core. I mean, I was just already, I wasn't stressed. I was just, you know, I'm a mom. My girls are my world. And when they were going to be leaving home, it uh, broke my heart. But I knew they had to. But I saw this man. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And just everything that had happened to me was going through my head. And it's just like something just said, boom. It just came to a head, mm. and it wasn't him. When he he just happened to turn and kind of look at me, and I could breathe for just a moment. But then that night is when it happened. Now, as as a response to this breakdown, what what did it? What did the breakdown lead to? Wow. <laughs> um. I have had anxiety my whole life, probably since, you know, this started. And I didn't know what it was when I was a little kid. Like when I was in elementary school, I would have blackouts all the time. And my mom took me to the doctor and the doctor said her body's stressed. And my mom would say, well, I, I don't know what from. And at the time, I didn't know what from. But I was going through something that I didn't even know what I was going through. It, that's, that, that's right. That's I right. mean, this man was hurting me and doing horrible, horrible things to me. In addition to those things that he was doing, he would try to scare me when I was asleep. He would make me 
I mean, just do horrible things. He would try to pull the covers off of me and try to scare me and make me think something was under the bed and just all the things that he did. Um, it wasn't just the abuse, you know, it was the emotional things that Absolutely. he did, the mind games. Exactly. Um, but it has led me, I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to go out in public anymore for a long time in 2017 when that hit me. Um, I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to go anywhere. I was so ashamed, and uh, I didn't do it. And see, no one would know what was going on internally uh, in, in you know, 2017 and, and, and uh, after as you went through this, this, this breakdown process. So you don't always know what people are going through. You don't. You really don't. And let me just say that I won't mention her name on air because, I mean, you know, it's not right. But when I told my supervisor at the time what was going on, she completely understood because 17 years prior, she went through the same thing. Yeah. And she was so amazing and that she understood what I was going through and that I needed to go to therapy and all that. And the, the, she encouraged and guided you to yes, do that, right? Yes, she yeah. really did. And, um, you know, I went into her office to put all of my therapy visits on the calendar so that, you know, I could go ahead and get those scheduled. And she asked me, what do you think triggered it? And I told her. And um, she said, I'm, I'm, I don't deal with it anymore because my abuser's dead. And at that moment, I didn't say I wish mine was, or sure. I was just like, Lord, save him. Right. Because he's a mean, mean man, and if he were to die today, he would go straight to hell. I have no doubt about that. I'm, you know, I'm not judging, no, you know, mean. but he's not a good man. And I just pray for him daily, even now. Even though he put me through all of this, as much as it sucked, as much as it still stinks that I'm that I've gone through it, that I'm going through it and coming out of it, I know it would be for God's glory. Everything. Yeah. Everything. If we can help one young person, one person with my story, it'll be worth it. You made a, uh, you know, a reference earlier to, you know, your mother had gone through a similar experience when she was little. And now you even alluded to the fact that your abuser was abused some way, mm -hmm. in, in some way, mm -hmm. uh, shape, form, or fashion. When, when you look at, 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 not statistics, but when you look at it statistically, those who are abused often abuse abuse, whether it's abusing drugs, abusing alcohol, it's something to cope with, or, or they become an abuser mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of others. Mm -hmm. When, in your case, you you went through what would be like, um, it was depression and the anxiety, the fear. You, you were always really hard on yourself, beat yourself up. Like you would, uh, um, it's like you were, you felt bad, and so you didn't want to get around other people because you were afraid that they would find out or that they knew what had happened to you. So there was this, in your own mind, this stigma that stayed with you that you were bad or 
people would not want to have anything to do with you if they knew. So in an effort to avoid them ever finding out, you didn't get close to people. Right. And when I look in the mirror, I see myself differently than people see me. Right. And that has to do with the abuse. Um, It has to do with my anxieties because of the abuse. Um, Not only, you know, the sexual abuse, and here I'm not trying to bring up the things that my mother did, but I never felt worthy or loved enough to ever love myself. And... My mom, like I said, my mom and I didn't have a good relationship. And because of her abuse, she didn't abuse me that way, the way that he did. But hers was mentally, sometimes physically, and so emotionally that between the two of them, I just felt like I I never felt like I really mattered. Like I just existed. Yeah. To be somebody's doormat, to be someone's punching bag, to be hurt. To be abused. Yes. With, like with your mother, with what she went through as a child, and then having no real support, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the family is like brothers and sisters. They all were, were close. I'm, I'm not saying that. But they didn't know. But I mean, it was a difficult time the family was you know it was difficult situations growing up mm-hmm. her becoming a mother a single mother mm-hmm. and not having the support always struggling always worrying about how to get food on the table mm-hmm. always struggling with her own you know self-worth i i mean you know there's a there's a thousand different things that you could discuss here but she was trying to make not make the most of but she was trying just to exist yeah herself yeah yeah and at some point in this cycle of abuse you're talking you know one generation the next generation the next generation at some point that that has to stop right that has to come to an end it does because if not it will just continue on and continue on and continue on right as i was growing up i didn't want to have children I didn't, That's I mean, where I'm going. Yeah. I didn't want to have kids. Number one, I didn't want to be my mother to, to my kids. And number two, right. I didn't want anybody to hurt them. My fears when Shelby and the girls were born, if anybody ever said that they were pretty, especially a man, right? Oh, it would just send cold chills all through my body. Sure. I was so protective. Um, I just, this same man that hurt me after my mom had passed saw me with my girls at my you know parents restaurant and he's like your girls sure are pretty and even though i'd forgiven him for what he did to me it took everything i could i mean everything i had to not jump up and beat the living crap out of him right because i wanted to in that moment i'm like how dare you Uh, yeah well Yes, yes. Glad I wasn't there. Um, and that's the first I've ever heard of that, by the way. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'll now take a brief pause to go hit, <laughs> punch the wall or something. Um, actually, there's no pause. We're 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 still we're still rolling. Um, there's. I wanna I wanna stay focused here um, on this this 
breakdown that happens and you for the first time you you hear from some you know you hear from someone who has been in a similar situation mm-hmm. and they tell you that or they encourage you to reach out to a therapist to go and talk to somebody mm-hmm. because it was it was ve- beneficial to them mm-hmm. and they felt like in, until you open up and it, uh, how do I say this until you open up and acknowledge right that this has happened publicly and then mm-hmm. to to someone who is you know capable of walking you through this process of of disc, you know of of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the process of opening up yeah yeah then. You did that. Yeah. Not only did, you know, my doctor told me, when I told my doctor, you know, what had happened and what was going on, she was like, holy cow. Like, no wonder, no wonder you're going through this. This is not something that anybody should ever have to endure. Right. And, you know, having her telling me I need, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you, I never really wanted I never thought therapy or therapists were something that I would do. I thought I've got God. Hmm. God's all I need. <laughs> right. Um, I am a Christian. I was saved. Why do I need to go to therapy? Um, this was before, of course. Um, I thought, you know, God's going to heal me of this pain. He's going to heal me of all this heartache. And it just wasn't, it didn't happen that way. Um, no, God, God has a way he, he heals me as he reveals me. He, yeah, he does. He's got his own plan. And even after the you, PTSD, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Even after the PTSD, after I was diagnosed with the PTSD, you know, when I was going to therapy, um, I begged God, begged him to not let me go through this. But I needed to. As hard as this. it is, as hard as it was, I really desperately needed to go through it. The only way that she would be able to go forward into the future was to go and deal with the past. Mm-hmm. You couldn't pretend like it didn't happen. You couldn't exactly. bury it under exactly. the cut, you know, buried underneath of layer upon layer. How did, how did, um, all right, as you go through the rebuilding process, by rebuilding was when you go to therapy and everything, when you go through the re- rebuilding from the breakdown, did you did you learn things about yourself? Your, I mean, did you understand things about your own behavior? Like, oh, oh absolutely. this is why I acted absolutely. like this is yeah. why I did this. Now, this is not you, this is a rhetorical question, but were there things that came to to light in your mind and you said, "Oh my goodness." Mhm. It explains so I much. Have, <laughs> the reason why I treated them this way is because of this. The reason why I did that now, was there any guilt involved there when you when you think, oh my goodness, now the problem that I went through or this, the suffering I went through as a child has created problems for me in the in the present because of things I have done because of how right. I reacted to things mm-hmm. based on how I was how I was I abused. Was, yes, I had anger issues. I mean, when you and I got married, you know, um, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew something was wrong with me, but I couldn't figure out why. You know, I, you know, I'd mentioned that I never wanted to have children and we ended up having, you know, at the time, you know, Emmy wasn't born until 2010 and we had the older three. I went like the opposite end of the spectrum with them. 
Like I didn't want to be that mean mother. Yeah, you were. You. Yeah. So I overcompensated. Like yeah. I didn't even really make them. I, I'm not saying I didn't make them mind, but I did not ever want to be my mother or ever, ever, ever hurt them. Right. And in that process, I hurt them. I hurt them. That. That's that's that leads us to another another area I want to go or another road I want to go down. In all of this talk that we've had today, in all of this discussion so far, as you've you know talked about your mother and then the abuse that she endured, the abuse that you endured, there's one thing that's been missing in this whole thing. One one thing. Where's your dad? Hmm. I really don't know. I met. Should I say his name? <laughs> no, 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 no. I met my that. biological father one time um, when I was pregnant with Shelby. Um, of course, my mom didn't know. Um, that's another story. Um, I was working at my parents' restaurant. Uh, he come through the front door. My mom's in the office behind me. She was doing something. I don't really remember. I turned around to her and I was like, hey, is that my dad? And uh, she said, she picked around the corner and said, yep. So my dad, my biological father, was not in the picture. That was the first time you'd seen your biological father, correct? Yes. And how old were you? 17. 17. 17, yeah. 17. 17 years old. What is a father? God. <laughs> a father is supposed to be there for his kids. But did you did you guys notice the long pause in her answer? That's why I asked the question. You don't know. You've never experienced that. I'm not talking about Johnny. I'm talking about that is a different. Story. That's a different. <laughs> situation. Yeah, I'm talking about a dad. Mm-hmm. When you were born, your dad's supposed to be there to hold you. When you're and take a child, care of you, and correct. yes. Your dad is a protector. Your dad is, uh, yes, your dad, you know, disciplines, but your dad is doing so for your own well-being, for your own good. So all of those years of this abuse, what's missing? A father. Father. A father. We're not just talking about a young girl that's going through abuse. We're talking about a young girl who has no father, whose mother is trying to, do what she can to keep you and your brother alive and going. Who basically didn't have a father. Who basically didn't have a father. <laughs> and now you're abused by this man who was abused in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And there's one thing that's, 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 that's missing is, is a father. How did you see me when we got married and we had children, you know? Oh, well, we had it Shelby, and then we got married. We, we Shelby was two when we got uh, we got married. So, what what was that like for you to watch me be a father? No, I'm not. I'm not what I, how does that how does that process in your mind? Do you even understand what what that is? Uh, does that make sense? What I'm trying. Yes, to Yes, I get you? what you're trying to say. Um, always wanted what you had with the girls when they were little. Um, it was was it foreign to you? Is what I'm saying. I mean that that's a, that's a stupid question. I know. I know it was, but it was. Um, but at the same time, 
at this point, the only father figure that I'd had seen in my life was my uncle Charles and my cousin Lisa. You know, I just, he was such a good dad to her. Right. And he was very, very there in her life. I didn't see before, you know, you and I got married, how a dad was supposed to be. Right. So now you're, you're, you're going from the tumultuous childhood that you've had, you know, adolescent, teenage years, whatever, into marriage and a family. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> that's that's what I'm getting at. Absolutely here. no idea. I didn't know how to be a mother. I didn't know how to be a wife. I didn't know how a family was supposed to be. You had never seen any of that modeled. No. You'd never seen a father modeled no. in your life. You had never seen a mother. I, I'm not insulting your mom. No, it's fine. What I mean is you, you, you've, never, you've never seen a mother and father working together. Is right. What, that's that, what that's I it exactly. Say. That's what I meant I had never say. seen that. The, the, I had never, couple. ever seen that. Um, and most likely this guy mm-hmm. was, that abused you was abusive towards your mother. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Um, very Physically. much so. Physically. Yeah. He never hurt my brother, though. He never hurt my brother. When, where I'm, where I'm going with this is what, it was, it was difficult for you to be a mom, to be a wife, especially in a family. Now, goodness gracious, if I could go back, there's so many things that I would love to change about mistakes I've made as as a husband and as a father, but Regardless of how difficult things got in our home, whether that's financial or in our marriage or whatever, I couldn't run. I couldn't leave. And that was the first thing I wanted to do. (laughs) The reason I could not run or I could not leave, neither one of my grandfathers ever laid a hand on me. They were not mean men by any, in, in any way, but man, were they men, you know, like they were tough. I've seen them bleed and keep going. I've seen them, mm-hmm. you know, deal with difficult people and not fight or not, not lose their temper yeah, to, yeah. to hold themselves together. I've watched them deal with their wives and, and the difficulties that there may be uh, with, with, with my grandfathers and my grandmothers just in a marriage you know, in itself. And I, I saw all of that. And the one thing that I knew is that as a father, as a husband, I, I mean, I made a commitment to you. I brought those other, I brought those girls into the world. I've, I have committed myself to the five of you and I'll never walk away. I'll never, I never want to hurt you. I mean, of course we all hurt, married couples hurt each other. It yeah. happens. But I've always wanted to make it right because I want there to be that unity and that peace. But I saw that Jennifer I saw that in my grandfathers and my grandmother. I saw that in my 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 upbringing. You know, you know what Christmas was to me. Oh my gosh, I can smell Christmas. I can <laughs> see Christmas, and little it, cotton balls on your grandma's table. Yes, yes, I can see it. And the one the one constant that I see is Papa sitting in the chair at the dining room table. It's the only time he'd ever sit at the head of the table, and he always sat at the low end of the table. Not to hit the end by the by the window. He'd always sit at the other end because that was my papa's way. My other grandfather's same way. That's Christmas. They sit at the head of the table. And you know what I know? Why why I know that? Why I remember that? 
because that's what a man is. A man is there to take care of that home and provide and, and, and bring peace. You know, when pe- when things would get out of hand, Papa or Papa, they they calm everybody back down. They they know you know we let things get out of hand. And it, nothing could be further from what you saw growing up. So to those people who might not understand why people sometimes act the way they do mm-hmm. or act out the way they do. There are people who've not lived the way you've lived, man. There are people who've gone through things that you could never fathom. And you have no idea how you would right. react to those things unless you were there in those things. And, oh, how important it is for men to be fathers. It is very important. For men to be very, fathers very and for them to be involved <clears> in their <throat> li- in, in the lives of their, their children. Um you know, had there been a father, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, we can't go back and change anything. We know that. You can't just pray away the PTSD. Oh, I wish I could. I understand <laughs> that. I, I know. And boy, oh boy, are people going to be like, did that preacher just say that? Sometimes Believe there me, are I've things. Believe me, I've tried. Yes, yes. Sometimes there are things that... We have to go through. Though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, feel, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. As we go through the process of dealing with the darkness and death of this world. Now, when you went through the, the, the process of therapy, talking with a counselor, I remember when you came home, it was the first, maybe the first or second time, you just collapsed in the bed. You couldn't move. Because you had talked about publicly, you know, spoken to somebody. I mean, not public. You know what I mean by that. You had talked out loud to somebody about what had happened to you. And while you knew it was beneficial, it was debilitating at the same time. It was crippling. I was going to say it was very debilitating. <laughs> did you stick with the process? Yes. Um, until my therapist left. Um, but yes, I did. Um, yes. Um, I mean, it's still a work in progress. It is. I, mean, I am. The process um, is still ongoing. But that's I what am. I'm saying. Nowhere near where I want to be. I'm nowhere near where I feel God wants me to be. But, but are you farther away from where oh, you started? Oh, so, yes. Um, would you have ever thought you would have been able to take those steps? No. Are you glad you, you I'm started so glad the process? I did. Yes, because it's really weird. Like, I always wondered why my mom napped all the time. Right. But again, my mom worked a lot. And I thought, why does she sleep so much? Um, but as I grew up, that's what I did too because it took me away from reality. When I was asleep, I didn't have to think about all the horrible things that happened to me because even if I don't think of them, they'll pop in my head. Right. You know, when I got diagnosed with PTSD and she talked about medications, I was like, oh crap, <laughs> I never wanted to be medicated. Sure. Well, just, just just the fears of what. Yes, of what might, yes. What I didn't. I'd heard so that. many horror stories right. of things of people doing things on medication, and I never wanted to be that person. Exactly. Um, I just begged her not to put me on things that would make me like addict, like addictive medicines. Exactly. Um, exactly. I didn't want to be put on those because I was scared that I would get addicted. Um, Which, let's be honest, in a Let's let's be honest. In in your situation, that is a that is what happens with mm-hmm, some people, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So um, she That's said, "Well, Jen, 
we're going to have to put you on some really strong medications for a while because you were way up here, and we need you back down here. So for a while, I was on some pretty strong medications. Um, again, I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to be around people. Um, I know it was God that got me up every day, but when I thought about my beautiful Emmy and her needing her mother, yeah. I knew I had to keep going. And when I thought about the little hell that I put my older three girls through, I knew I had to get better so that I could make this right for them. Right. Because, like we've mentioned, I had anger issues, and I didn't know why. Those girls, oh, they're my world, but I didn't always do things correctly with them. I would lose my cool. They could spill something, and I'd lose my cool. And it wasn't ever really, I just wanted them to be so much better than I was. And I just wanted so much better for them than I had. And so I didn't, again, I didn't know how to be a mom. You know, I, I didn't have that example. When you would look in, when you would look at them and see the struggles or the, the turmoil that you might have, you know, caused or put them through, that would just serve to drive you even further into this darkness. It did. It did. It got to where I felt like I was barely treading water. Yeah. I could barely keep going. It got to the point where I was so numb, I didn't feel anymore. And I just wanted to feel. I just wanted to feel something. Now, once you've been through the therapy, the counseling and stuff, and you've, you've started to see a little light at the end of the tunnel, maybe, where it feels like you're, was there a point where you felt like you were making progress? Yeah, I did. I really did. Um, like I said, it was really hard. I didn't want to be, and I felt, and I felt like people could see what happened to me. Right. Like I said, when I look in the mirror, I see something different than people see. When you opened up to this counselor, did that maybe, I'm not, I mean, obviously that that's, this is part of the process. I'm not in any way saying that that debilitated you or, or hindered you, but it was exhausting. Them, it drained me. When you, when you me. told this person, did you, did that, did that maybe lend to the idea of, oh no, everybody can see me because now I'm not hiding this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm I knew not, that, you know, what you say to them stays confidential, you no, know, that no, kind I, of thing. Right. That's, I'm saying psychologically, did it kind of make you feel vulnerable? It did. I, I just felt like before I, I, and when I first thought I'm going to see a counselor, woo, 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 is this really going to help me? You think I'm not going to be able to talk or whatever, but once you're in there, it's just like word vomit. Right. It just that, yes. pours out of your Which soul. Is, is where I'm going with this is, yes, it, it probably made you feel a little vulnerable, you know, because, oh my goodness, I opened up. But isn't that kind of what an abuser programs you to think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. the bad one, right? Let's yes. go back to that. I, oh no, everybody can see what I did. You didn't do anything. Yes. It was constantly, but, this is your fault. Right. You're tempting me. Right. Um, right. You shouldn't be so pretty. Right. And I never, ever thought that I was pretty, like ever. 
I'd always felt so ugly because of what happened to me. Right. And then when I started going through this, it made it even worse because I just stopped caring about how I looked. You just got to give up. I, I gave up. I was ashamed if I'd went out in public and someone saw me and I looked so bleh. I mean, I just stopped caring. I didn't care. And I uh, guess that was part of the healing process as well. It, it is. But when you, when you say you don't care, um, just to get really, really transparent here, you know, there would be times when you would push me away and you just, I don't care if you're here or not. I could care less. Which in that moment, I'm not going to say, yes, you do. But I knew, like, like I said earlier, I'm not going anywhere. Now, for those of you who are listening to this, uh, who are here at, at Monterey, this might kind of help make a little sense to some of the statements I made, you know, back around 2017 when I said, I don't care what happens, I'm going to fight for my wife. I'm not going to give up. And I wasn't at liberty to share my wife's story because that's her story to share, but we were in the process of going through this. And I, I am very, very grateful for what God is doing and bringing you through this. Um, I will be very honest. This is, it's been, it was very difficult. It was very difficult because if I did the right thing, it was the wrong thing. If I did the wrong thing, it was definitely the wrong thing. (laughs) And I had, I had to grow up and mature and not be a baby and not be so sensitive. And you hurt my feelings. I had to get over myself and put you ahead of me and say, you know, it's more important to to see her go through this process i will be very honest there are a lot of people who would not be able to handle what is required in walking with someone through this valley of the shadow of death because there were times when you would act out when you would lash out or you would would not be able to get out of bed or 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 you wouldn't you know be able to just function you know and i I used to get really frustrated with that, you know, until I started to understand. It took it took you a while. <laughs> oh, it took me a long time. It but took who, yeah. who's trained in how to handle this? Who knows? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> and to be quite, and just to be blunt and be honest, there came a point when it was like, Jennifer, you've got to care enough to want to do something before anybody can do anything to help assist you in the pro I will walk with you through this valley, but you've got to walk. You've got to go forward and, and, and seek whatever it is, whatever help you need. When when you finally begin this process, um, I know it's it's it's, it's got to be excruciatingly painful to go through and it's unbelievably difficult to, to walk. But you walked, didn't you? I did. I did. I got up one day and said I've got to do this. I have to do this. Do you feel like every day you make progress? I do. Even on the, even on the difficult days, do you not see that there's progress being made because you oh, keep I, going? I totally see that there's a lot of progress been made. Like when I started, like, okay, so I'm a pastor's wife who didn't want to be at church. Right. I love my church with right. my whole being. Right. When I found out there was a possibility that we could be back at Monterey, I was so ecstatic. It's the one place I wanted to be. And then a few years later, this happens. I'm like, 
what you doing, God? I wanted to be. I love my church. I love my church people. But I was scared that they could see the ugly. That they could see the really bad things that he did to me. Right. And again, I never felt worthy. I've never felt like I was really truly loved. And I mean, you know, you talk about our marriage. It was like you said a tsunami and a hurricane or whatever. And (laughs) that's exactly what it was because I didn't know why I acted the way that I did. And then when I started therapy, this is why I lash out. This is why I sleep. This is why I don't care. And then if I did take the time to take care of myself, this is what my head was saying. Well, what are you doing that for? Mm -hmm. Someone's going to look at you. Someone's going to hurt you again. Mm. Someone's going to say, you just want attention. Mm. That's what my head would do. So I felt like I was darned if I did, darned if I didn't. So why even try? What what would, um, like someone that's, that's in this situation, you mentioned a minute ago that, you you love the church family, but it's it's like you just as you began to you know four years after we get here, you you experienced the break, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And which at the time it doesn't you you can't see it, but it is a blessing because now all of this is going to come to a head, so to speak. When when it does, and you go through your 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 breakdown period while most people would not know what's going on with you. How did the folks here at the church make you feel though? What I mean is, did you feel like that they, again, not everybody is going to be is engaged and involved, but were there people that would just come alongside of you and and encourage you and, and kind of, I don't know, make you feel like maybe people can see past this and 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 maybe I can have um you know uh, the ability to to be quote unquote normal I had a few people mostly newer people that you know I think that everyone that knew me they were just trying to give me space right on I think that they were just trying to be like I don't know what she's going through but I don't want to bother you know that type of thing um and I I didn't want calls I didn't want people to come see me I just wanted to be alone basically other than you guys and but there were people who no matter how much I was like yeah get away stay away or whatever that's what I'm saying yeah they they were were, we got your back girl right we love you we're praying for you and we may not know exactly what's going on but we are here for you right that's what I mean is is even though it it may have been difficult because of how you felt or how you acted, there, there was always a feeling of, you know, these people are, are going to be supportive is what I'm, what I'm saying. When, all right, if, let's, let's, let's see if we can kind of tie all this together here. People have no idea what someone else has gone through what they've endured. They have no idea. I don't, I don't know how many, um, you know, people would have 
not 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 just knowledge of what you went through, but but the understanding of it. You know, here you are, a little girl, told that if you say anything, it's your fault anyway, or I'm gonna harm your your loved ones. Is it possible that some of and this is going to require mercy and grace, and not everybody's capable of this. I understand that. But as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we should all be able to have mercy and compassion and understanding. Even when we don't understand it, we should be understanding. Meaning, I, I understand that I won't understand all of the particulars of this, but I understand that broken people are, you know, are, are broken because of something that's happened. There's... There's a, a reason for the way they might act. Right. When, what would you say to somebody who is in a similar situation to you, who's gone through through abuse? What would you say uh, to, to them? What would be your advice? To seek help immediately. Yeah. Do not wait. Do not wait 20 plus years. To get help. Yeah. Now, there. Now, there was an instance where you did um, kind of open up to somebody uh, about the abuse. Mm-hmm. You were <clears throat> about how old do you think you were? I honestly can't remember if it was second or third grade. I'm pretty sure it was third. No, I don't remember exactly. Though. I'm pretty sure it was third. That we were asked to write a story about our lives in school. And for whatever reason, I wrote about what was happening to me. I don't know why I did. And I actually had a teacher pull me aside, call me in their office, whatever. And pretty much dismissed my story as not being truthful. You're making it up. Yeah. Are are you sure this is, I mean, there's a good chance this isn't true, correct? No. And what could I say? Yeah. I mean, no, the story is true. But nothing happened. See, and that's, that's no one helped me, so I didn't go further in saying to anybody, because again, he didn't help me, or this teacher didn't help me. So why would anybody else help me? Mm-hmm. You don't know the damage that it does to someone. If you know someone's being abused, or has been abused, please help them. Please believe them. You can tell when someone's telling the truth and when they're lying. Well, you think about the years that you endured um, never telling anybody, you know, like not saying a word. And, uh, you know, what I just think about other people that may be in that situation, what the sooner that it's interrupted and dealt with and the better the right the sooner that you're able to get the help that you need is what I'm what, what I'm you, you know yes. what I'm saying I don't want anyone to experience the things that I did I right I, I would I would really really rather not someone ever go through that situation but I know that that's not the way this world is this world is broken right and there are people who are gonna hurt people right and I can't stop it all I wish I could. But if you have been hurt or if you know someone who has, please, 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 I'm begging you to get attention. Seek help immediately. Right. Um, whatever you have to do 
come to me. I'll help you. Just don't let it progress and go on for years and years and years and not get help. I understand that there are things that, you know, people make up stories and there are things that people um, do for attention yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or, or whatever. I, under, I get that. And that's the sad thing. When people do things like that, right. it hurts other people. The credibility of yes, someone who's actually going through something. because you're scared to say anything. You, you, you don't want someone to not believe you. And it happens more often than not, you know. And you think about how many people have gone through it and never said a word. Mm-hmm. And their lives are broken. Their families are broken. You know, things are, are literally falling apart. My mother all the way never right. sought help. Right. Ever. Right. She died two years after she told me about her abuser. Yeah. Did that cripple her life? Oh, yeah. My mother had anger issues. <laughs> and I wonder why. Yeah. When it, it affects so much of your life. When it comes to, to telling somebody, the most important thing... Um, that you would say to them is to, to, to tell someone. Yes. Tell someone. Tell someone that you trust. That you trust. Someone, in, someone who's, you know, in, in a position of, of not authority, but, but specifically. Or, or an adult. Solely, but yes, mm-hmm. an adult. Tell someone. Tell someone you trust and, and, and then, you know, don't, don't hold on to it. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Get it out there. Get it out so that you can live your life free. God doesn't want us to be in chains and in bondage. That is not his purpose for us. If you could if you could sum up the impact that it had on your life. Like what specifically would you say that it that it impacted or how did it how did it impact you? How did it affect you? What did it do to you? In what ways did it did it affect you? It crushed my soul. It hurt me so deeply. And it affected my way of life. It was nuts because, again, I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know how to be a wife. Well, there was no, no structure. There like, wasn't. Like, like everything was chaotic. Mm-hmm. It was just survival, basically. I just got to get through the day. That was it. Instead I just existed. Having, like while other people were making plans to go to college and they've got a career outlined, your I didn't have that. In your head was just this noise. I just wanted to get through the day. Right. Right. I just I just needed to get through the day. And uh there's so many times I didn't understand why I didn't turn to other things to help me. I really believe that was God. He kept me from so many things even through all of this. Mm-hmm. It just It was rough. It was very rough. When people go through things, um, especially things that are difficult like this, things that are traumatic, someone who's never gone through that is going to have a... It's, I would almost say it's impossible for them to understand because it, it is. They've not been there. But the, 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 the PTSD... is impossible to overcome on your own, like internally, because it literally is your own body fighting to keep you from accelerating to a point where you can't, you know, your heart will, (laughs) uh, uh, you know. 
after going harm to th- you yourself. Sorry about that. After going to therapy, you know, I was thinking about the blackouts when I was a little girl and the doctor saying that my body was stressed. All those horrible things that he was doing to me was causing me to black out. Right. It was just the, the inability to process Yeah, it. I just The inability out. To, to handle that. This, this does not make sense. Even mm-hmm. for a child, you knew no. this was not natural. This was not normal. This was not right. I'd be sitting there. Next thing you know, I'm picking myself up off the floor because I had blacked out. That's what that kind of thing, that's what that abuse, that kind of abuse, abuse in general does to anybody, but especially a little girl. Now, we've been, you know, specifically speaking about um, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, Well, and and you even mentioned, you know, the emotional, mental aspects of it, too. I would just implore everybody that's listening to consider, just consider what I'm saying here. The child that's acting out may be doing so because they don't have a father or mother that's showing them the love that they need and providing them with the nurturing that they need or the discipline that they need. There are, there are people in our, in our you know, society that are they're broken. They've been broken by abuse. And we, we, we don't just get to turn a blind eye to it and say it's someone else's problem, you know. If the Lord puts them on our hearts, then we should, you know, of course, pray for them. Uh, reach out to them. Do what we can to, to be, you know, of benefit to them and, and, and a blessing and minister to them in whatever way we can. How important do you think it is for the church to be compassionate and understanding for those who have been in abuse, what I mean by that is, have you, could you see where the church could really make a giant impact for good and where the church can also make a giant impact for bad? Oh, absolutely. I do. I think that by helping, you know, like my prayer, my hope through all of this is. Eventually, I would love to have a group that meets here discussing, you know, like just a, a reco- I don't even know how to say this, just like a support group, support group for abuse, people who've come been through abused, it. yes, and survivors. Um, because it's so detrimental to have people that know what you've been through. And to understand, um, it's I don't sometimes I don't know what to say because I. <laughs> well, people people can relate. Yes, people can relate. Um, yeah. And and then the other, you know, what you mentioned, how you know the church could hurt is by pushing people away who have been through that. Right. You know, it's or not accepting it as something that's real. Does yeah. that make sense? Or trying to hide it, or even if you're protecting someone who you you know they've done something, or right. you thought they've done something. I mean, that's just that could really hurt somebody. As a as a believer, it is not you know incumbent upon you to fix everyone or to understand everything, but just being welcoming and compassionate and 
if the Lord puts it on your heart to say, hey, just be patient with that child over there. Or I'm going to go and, and I'm going to play a game with them or I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to, I want to connect with them, let them know I care. It's not so much what you do to, you know, to bring about, um, you know, the, the healing to the specific issue. Is it, sometimes it's just as powerful, and it's so, so important for those in the church to say, "Hey, instead of dismissing this person because they're a handful or they're difficult, or I don't understand," because listen, I pastor a church, and you want me to be honest with you, there's not a single person in the church that's not broken. Everybody's a, everybody has got their troubles and their problems and their issues. We just don't, we just don't always <laughs> let, and, let it show. And don't expect someone to get over this overnight. Mm-hmm. The healing process, it takes some time. Yeah, it's a lifetime struggle. And my therapist told me, Jennifer, once you start telling your story, the more you'll heal. Yeah. It doesn't mean it gets easier. Like today, I, you know, before I come in here, I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> and I even asked you, what if I start crying? It hurts. It hurts a lot. But I'm going to be okay. Yeah, you are. And I've come so far. Right. I've come so, so far. And I'm pretty dang proud of that. Mm-hmm. And when I said a minute ago it's a lifetime struggle, I want to make sure I make this clear. I didn't mean the rest of your life, if you're you know, a survivor of, of, of abuse, that you're gonna, it's going to be horrible all your life. What I mean is all your life you're going to have those, those times when you think, why? Why does this have to happen to me? You know, or what if I'd had you know, a mother or father? What if I'd had this? What if I'd had that? But I've asked God that many times. Why me? Why? But in all honesty, as bad as that sucked, what I went through, if someone comes to know uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, well a, a man or woman with a theory is always at the mercy of a man or a woman with experience. And the pain that we endure, the suffering that we go through, puts us in a unique position to be able to reach out and help someone else to heal. Mm-hmm. And to share with them what God has done in our lives and what he can do in theirs. And we can share our story of, yeah, I know people tell you, just suck it up, get over it, um, move on, uh, quit being that way. But you can tell them personally and, uh, um, you know, from experience that you know how hard you fought against the idea of therapy. And counseling, and now mm-hmm. look, mm-hmm. look at where you are. Yeah, yeah. When, when you look back at where you've been and where you are now, obviously you can see progress. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of progress. <laughs> um, it's not been easy. It's been difficult for you. Um, it's 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 still a work in in, in progress, but. Do you feel hopeful and confident that things are working out? I do. Um, it's crazy. My attitude is completely different. And just a month ago, I felt such a shift in my spirit. It's like 
I'm really beginning to come out of this. Right. I may still have my struggles. Right. I had, you know, a day last week that really set me, didn't set me back, no, you, but hurt you, my heart. But you handled it. But I handled it. Right. And I didn't let it, I didn't let that take me all the way back under. Exactly. You were able to endure. Yes. And like I said, hurt my heart, but you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I, uh, I know that God has a plan. Exactly. Such a great, great plan. And again, it hurt me more than anything's ever hurt me. But the outcome and the things that he is going to use this for, it makes me almost excited. Okay, yeah, excited. I don't want to say almost excited. Because no, it, but, but I'm hopeful. Think, think about that from the... How did you feel before? Terrified. I was scared of everything and everybody. <laughs> I let people run over me. Mm-hmm. And, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about being disrespectful to authority. That's not what no. I'm talking about. No. I just, I laid down and just let people walk right over me because that's all I'd known. I didn't know how to be anything else but that. But God's bringing me out of this. I really wanted him to take me out of it when it first happened. I begged and pleaded and cried and threw a fit and stomped my feet and screamed and everything else. But I had to go through it so that we could get to where we're going. Does God restore? Absolutely. And I believe it's Isaiah says he gives us beauty for ashes. I want to get out of the bed in the morning. I didn't want to for right. the longest time. Right. Joel, Joel chapter 2 says, The threshing floors will be full of grain. The vats will overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. When you read that and you hear that, and you think about what Israel went through, what they in, things they did themselves, and things that happened to them, and you think about the the you know the years of of this this cycle. I mean, generational cycle of you know. Uh, Lack of money, lack of family stability, lack of, uh, you know, feelings of progress or being able to, to, to prosper and to go forward. You, you think about how you, you struggled with that. That was your identity. That was what you knew. That was all you thought. Is it, is it, is it possible that even with what you went through and what you faced, that the same God that has been is responsible for the blessing and someone else is able to, to be a you know to bring about blessing in yours do you believe absolutely that? yeah I mean he has already in my life you know looking back there's been so many things that I know that I, I would not have made it through any of this without him no. so yeah I mean I see it it's evident and another way of saying that is if you're married to me, there's never going to be any such thing as normal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no way. There's no way. But 
even though for years you were ashamed and you lived in fear and you cowered around other people, do you feel like it's possible for you to live a normal life now? Well, now when I say normal, what I mean by that is... What is normal? We yeah. normal. <laughs> what I mean by normal uh, is you can get out of bed, you can yes. go and you can function, you can and do things. And I don't things feel and, like I have to hide or pretend right. to be somebody that's like... What I, that's what I mean. You can be yourself. Because I was so scared of everyone and everything, I would lie to protect myself. That was yeah. my thing. I would lie so that you wouldn't hurt me. Right. I didn't want to be hurt anymore. I got tired of being hurt. I got tired of being just beat down all the time so yeah i don't have to do that anymore i don't have to pretend and sometimes it's still very hard for me to get in front of people uh that is still my biggest (laughs) issue like it's still very hard to do but i'm getting there I'm, i'm getting there there are people that will say that well they just need to get up and get get going and move on and they just need to quit what they're doing you know, as a pastor, I would say, well, when you quit doing what you're doing, they'll quit doing what they're doing, <laughs> you hypocrite. But what, what, um, and, and of course, in, in your situation and others who've been through that, no one else can do for you, you what only you can do. Right. But you can't make me. Correct. It, God gives us free will. Right. He but, doesn't lift me up out of the bed. Right. But you know. you've got to have somebody, yeah. some person that says, I won't give up, I won't quit, I won't walk away, I won't run off, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, I'm not going to leave you in the lake, I'm going to stay with you. And that was you. Through thicker thin. I mean, you became my best friend. Well, and... and it it took a while, but you anchored me, if that makes sense, like, if we were just asleep at night and I woke up having a panic attack, I could grab your hand and do my tapping thing that I do and it would calm me um but you know when I said earlier that my I've fight or flight Mm -hmm. that's I was so ready to give up and just leave because it was simpler for me if I didn't have to answer to anybody if I could just be me and not have to explain why I act the way I do or do the things that I do which again, that would have only kept you in the exactly. same, the same, is a vicious exactly. cycle. But to anybody that's in, in a, you know, it, to any husband or wife, because men get abused too. Yes, they do. Husband or wife that is married to someone that's been through abuse. I would, um, you know, I, I don't know everyone's situation. I would never, you know, never, you know, pretend like I did. But, I would say to them, with everything you have in you, with all the faith you can muster and your trust in the Lord, don't give up on them. All, all of their lives, abused people have had people give up on them because they were too difficult. It was mm-hmm. too, too hard to handle. Mm-hmm. It's too much, too much. It's too much for me to be able to endure that. But if someone will endure it, if they'll go through that, that valley with them, then they will be able to see and celebrate when they get on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you too. Well, anything else you want to say before we close it out? Yeah, and we'll, we'll do. Um, an, we will. You can. You will come back and you can talk some more. I, I, 
I'm sure there are things that you would want to say, but is there anything you want to say before we close out? Yeah, just real quick. Um, when I was going through this and I was looking up anxiety, just things on anxiety, all I could find was just anxieties caused by sin. Right, right. And even though I didn't do this to myself, it was someone else's sin that did that, this to that's, me. That's right, that's right. And I had to see that I didn't do this. I didn't do this to me. But I so wanted to be better. And just even what you talked about this past Sunday about taking our thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. In Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Things are just, pure, lovely, of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Mm-hmm. I've, not, I've, I've read the scripture a million times, a million times. But a few months ago is when I really started to try to take my thoughts captive, to not think about those scary things anymore. Right. When, you know, I, like I said, I've had anxiety my whole life and used to before 2017. I could pray that panic attack. I could feel it coming on and I could pray it away. But after that big one in 2017, when they come on, I'm just like, uh, other than the medications, I didn't have a lot to help me. But this is what I've been focusing on a lot. And I'm telling you, it has helped so much to really just think on this scripture. Sure. That is our food, and I'm, I'm, I'm not an eloquent speaker, but if you're having difficulties with anxiety, just keep, keep, keep keeping on, because yeah. I really believe God will bring you through it. I know he will. Well, it's, it's in a perfect world, there would not be broken people, right? But this is an imperfect world, and there are broken people. We won't always understand, and sometimes it'll be frustrating and difficult, but they are your brother, they are your sister, and they are worth whatever it costs. They're worth the struggle. They're your husband, they're your wife, they're your children, they are your parents, they're worth it. And the investment that you make in helping to bring someone, walking with someone through that process as God brings them out, it it definitely is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I would, again, just encourage anybody that is enduring abuse, say something, speak up, get the help you need. If there's someone who's wanting to get free and and face those things, you know, when you came to your breakdown in 2017, I really believe that that was the the Lord was in that to get well, you yeah. to, to come to terms because I had never dealt with it. No, you you would have just continued that vicious, vicious cycle. horrible cycle. Yes, and I couldn't be what He needed me what to he be. Needed, that's exactly right. I would encourage you to, to, if someone else is in that place, I don't care if it's been 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years since it happened, 80 years since it happened, go tell somebody. Go and talk to somebody. Find a therapist. Find a counselor. Find someone you can talk to. 
and, and get the help that you need. And for those, again, in the church, it is not, not even our responsibility to fix people. But it is our responsibility to be understanding and to be compassionate and to be, be merciful and to be kind and to be good. And to put it, you know, or to sum it up, we should want to see broken people restored. Absolutely. Right? And you believe it's possible because you're witnessing it in your own life, right? Yeah. Christ, he died on the cross for me. Yeah. He did that for me. For, for you, even though you had gone through what you'd yeah. gone through. He did that for me. Yes. And I have to focus on that. I have yes. to. Well, if you are a, a living witness to what God can do and what he's capable of doing, and I'm just excited to see what all happens in you know the days ahead, but um, you going to come back? Yes. Come back sometime. Well, we'll go ahead and close out the podcast. Anything else you want to say today? I'm good. All right. Well. We hope you guys uh, will you know, like, share, follow the podcast. Um, seriously, you know, tell folks uh, you know, about the podcast. We, we, we just want to help people. We just want to get these, these messages out here to people, these, these testimonies, these, these you know, conversations with people um, uh, or to people uh, that, so that they can see that they're not alone, um, that, that there, is, you know, there is someone who's, 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 who's been there and can, can speak about what God is able to do. I'll see you guys later.